When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining me this episode to talk about Idiot Wind, a volcanic song from Bob's 1975 album, Blood on the Tracks, is a new guest, but he has been long a fan of the show and has been a very helpful behind the scenes and emails and stuff, Grayson Schaus. Hello, Grayson. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very happy to have you here. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, this is Grayson's first time on the show, but he has been emailing me here and there for a long time with uh, like links to performances related to you know songs that we've talked about. You've been very very helpful uh, behind the scenes, uh, pointing me you know pointing me to stuff that's been really cool that been found out there about Dylan on the internet. And then I finally said, well, why don't you just come on the show finally? <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, now you are. You just mentioned to me you are. You're 21, and you were really excited about being the youngest fan. I am. I thought I was going to be the youngest right. one. Right. And, and then, just just today, I yeah. listened to the episode you just posted, and uh, what was it? What'd you say his name was? Ben, ben Caldwell. Ben Caldwell, who's 19. Who's 19. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> so close. So, so close. Well, anyway, you are. I, I have still been listening to Bob Dylan longer than you've been alive. So, thank you for making me feel very. Old. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, you got back to back. Yeah. Um, before we get to uh, the song in question, uh, I want to ask you, like, how did you find your way to Bob Dylan's music? Um. So, uniquely, I actually saw him live and then got into his music. Whoa. <laughs> Which is an odd way to do it. Uh, it was in 2010. And he was playing in Chicago, and I don't know how it happened, but somehow my dad and I decided that we would go. And so I kind of listened to some Dylan on YouTube to kind of get in the mood. And the only songs I knew, let me see, it was Queen Jane, Mozambique, and Mississippi. And he didn't play any of those. <laughs> okay, right, okay. Was your dad and, a fan? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, he had been right. a fan a long time, but he hadn't seen him live. And so we went, and it was odd because, you know, 2010, he was at the height of his uh, vocal not sounding the best. Okay. And uh, I don't know, but I liked it. So I went home and got into his music and then just loved him since then. That's amazing. Most people would not find their way to Dylan that way. Yeah. What did you well, and, and I should add that. So I was 15 then, and we had a, I was in band, and we had a band competition that weekend, and I was not a fan of band, so I was finding any excuse to not go. Okay. <laughs> so my dad said that we could go to this Dylan thing. I was like, oh, yeah. Well, what was your dad's reaction to the concert? Uh, he liked it. I, I had to ask him what each song was. And it usually took about halfway into the song until he knew. Because <laughs> I, I know they, there, play, yeah. they played uh, The Man and Me kind of at the beginning of the show. Wow, and I don't think he knew what that was till the end because it didn't sound anything like the studio. Yeah, wow. That's, I, that's, a, that's a real deep cut. That's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. What, an, what a cool experience to be able to And then to we've seen him live a few times since then. The last time was uh, 2016 when he had Mavis Staples with him. Right, 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 right. Oh, we saw him in Indianapolis that July. Excellent. That's cool. That's fantastic. It's a, it's a, you know, he's like, he's just always around. Like he just keeps showing yeah. up, you know, you just wait long enough. He'll show up in your town again. So yeah, that's, exactly. uh, that's fantastic. So, okay, cool. Um, well, like I said, the, the song we're here to talk about is idiot wind. It is track four off of blood on the tracks. Why did you want to talk about this one in particular? I think it's his best song on the album me. or ever. Uh, I would say of all time. And wow. also 
I don't know, this is a unique one in which he has multiple cuts, and I can't decide which one is best between the studio, the outtake, and the live 76 one. Hmm. I like them all equally. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, the the, the history of, of him recording this album is, uh, you know, it's well, I don't want to say it's unique because Bob has been fiddling with his albums for a long time, but basically, uh-huh. for anyone who doesn't know sort of just a quick history of this, Bob started working on Blood on the Tracks around the fall of 1974 in New York, and most of the songs that were cut were a lot more quieter, a lot quieter, a lot more mellow, Absolutely. Uh, and a lot sadder. And in fact, the original version of Idiot Wind is 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 a is kind of this ballad, maybe not a ballad exactly, but it's it's just very quiet and, and very melancholy. And a lot of the yeah. words are different. And that was the album as as uh, you know as sort of finished. And then just before. Uh, Christmas, he went back to his home in Minnesota, and he played the album as it existed in that time for his brother David, his younger brother David. And apparently David, showing an amazing amount of chutzpah, uh, told his brother, I think you should probably re-record some of this. And uh, Bob apparently agreed with David and decided to recut several of the songs with local Minnesotan Magician, uh, magicians, musicians, uh, Freudians. <laughs> That'd be there. quite an album. Yeah. And this was kind of a big deal because uh, the album uh, was originally scheduled to be a Christmas release. Uh, and, you know, even someone as sort of commercially kind of uh, probably, you know, relatively indifferent to, to commercial concerns as Bob Dylan, pulling an album from your record company just before the big Christmas shopping season was a big deal. That was that was not what what Columbia wanted to do, but they apparently, you know, we're not going to tell Bob Dylan, no, you can't do that. So he ended up recutting almost half the album with these local musician musicians, which meant the album ended up getting pushed back into January of 1975. And "Idiot Wind" is one of the songs, and it is probably the song that uh, went through the most changes. Yeah, because I would say that too. yeah, the original version, as I said, is kind of slow and melancholy, and this one. You know, as the album as the album is constructed, no, it's not that. As the album is constructed, you know, it opens with "Tangled Up in Blue," which was also re-recorded in, in Minnesota. Uh, it's this amazing story song, exuberant. It's one of the great album openers of all time. It's to me, it's on Bob Dylan's short list of like the four or five greatest songs he's ever recorded. And then you get to "Simple Twist of Fate," which is this even quieter, even sadder kind of song, and then. You have uh, You're a Big Girl Now, which is this very melodic kind of uh, song with this beautiful guitar part, almost like a flamenco-type sound. Yeah. The album's pretty quiet. And Until then, this one. <laughs> yeah, and then there's this pause, and then... Someone's got it in for me They're planting stories in the press Whoever it is, I wish they cut it out quick So, you know, after that opening, <laughs> we're treated yeah. to eight Yeah, we're treated to eight solid minutes of Bob Dylan just haranguing this woman over and over and it is just an audible assault. And it's the kind of thing where you know, it probably would get tiresome in a lot of ways. It, it, this is almost like turning on the television in the middle of somebody ranting. And you're just like, whoa, yeah. but yet it is so amazingly powerful. I mean, was this the first version you heard? Was it the, the, the Blood on the Tracks version? 
Yes, uh, I listened to that CD back when I would have been 15, and I didn't like most of it at the time. I thought they all sounded too much alike. Uh, but this one definitely stood out because you have those acoustic songs that you mentioned that open the album, and then this one just comes in like a punch. And yeah, I definitely noticed it, and I've always I liked it then. Yeah, I mean, I love the way that it it starts with him singing, and the band has to kind of catch up. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, such a he great. Com- he comes in with that that loud opening. Yeah, I mean, it's just and it's he's got this combination of I mean, you know, you have to assume Blood on the Tracks is fairly autobiographical but I mean the lyrics here seem to toggle back and forth between Dylan as you imagine him and then some sort of other imagined character because I mean he opens up with someone's got it in for me they're planning stories in the press whoever it is I wish they'd cut it out quick but when they will I can only guess they say I shot a man named Gray and took his wife to Italy she inherited a million bucks and when she died it came to me I can't help it if I'm lucky which is like okay what you know what's going on here People see me all the time, and they just can't remember how to act. Now we're kind of more into what I imagine Bob Dylan's life is. Their minds are filled with big ideas, images, and distorted facts. Even you, yesterday, you had to ask me where it was at. I couldn't believe, after all these years, you didn't know me any better than that. Sweet lady, idiot wind, blowing every time you move your mouth, blowing down the back roads heading south. Idiot wind, blowing every time you move your teeth. You're an idiot, babe. It's a wonder that you still know how to breathe. Jiminy Christmas. I know, and he's just spitting the lines out. I mean, it is just, you know, I mean, the the contempt he's got for the subject in particular. I mean, you have to figure that he is quoting um, Shakespeare here. The whole, you know, tale, the life is a tale uh, told by idiots full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Uh But I mean, this sounds so, like, vituperative. He's just so pissed off at this person and he goes on he said i ran into the fortune teller who said beware of lightning that might strike and i love the way he sings strike lightning uh-huh. lightning that might strike he stretches that <laughs> word out i haven't known peace and quiet for so long i can't remember what it's like there's a lone soldier on the cross smoke pouring out of a boxcar door you didn't know it you didn't think it could be done in the final end he won the war after losing every battle I woke up on the roadside, daydreaming about the way things sometimes are. Visions of your chestnut mare shoot through my head and are making me see stars. You hurt the ones that I love best and cover up the truth with lies. One day you'll be in the ditch, flies buzzing around your eyes, blood on your saddle. Idiot, wait, I mean, I know, man. Geez. Yeah, and the song is just like a slideshow of images that just come and go. I can't imagine what it had to be like being in a recording studio with him spitting this out. I mean, this had to be... He has said that this song is particularly not bio-autobiographical, but I don't know. I don't know how it couldn't be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, and it said it just goes on and on and on. I mean, it, there's another line it ends with. It says, what's good is bad, what's bad is good. You'll find out when you reach the top, you're on the bottom. I noticed that the ceremony of corrupt ways have finally made you blind. I can't remember your face anymore. Your mouth has changed, your eyes don't look into mine. Uh, I waited for you on the running boards near the cypress trees while the springtime turns slowly into autumn. I can't feel you anymore. I can't even touch the books you've read. Every time I crawl past your door, I've been wishing I'd been somebody else instead. Down the highway, down the tracks, down the road to ecstasy. I followed you beneath the stars, hounded by your memory and all your raging glory. I mean, you know, I don't know. I've been pretty mad at people 
uh, at times <laughs> in my life. I don't know if I would feel comfortable. I don't know if I've been idiot wind mad. Yeah, I mean, announcing this, this is this is pretty pretty rough stuff. Now, what do you think about the final verse where he changes it to? You know, he gives goes yeah, on and on about your idiots. Yeah, and then at the very end, he says, "Idiot wind blowing through the buttons of our coats, blowing through the letters that we wrote. Idiot wind blowing through the dust upon our shelves. We're idiots, babe. It's a wonder we can even feed ourselves." What do you think about that change at the end, where he sort of tries to include himself? I always thought as most of the song, he was getting all this hate out, and then finally at the end, he can kind of sit back and, you know, okay, I'm, you know, this is both of us. This isn't. This isn't just you. Do you feel like that's genuine, or do you feel like that's somebody who is, after they've been ranting for the past seven minutes, suddenly realizes what an ass <laughs> save, they might save sound face like. a little? Yeah, you know, it's almost like a kind of like somebody that goes on a racist rant and then is like, "Oh, but I have black friends." You know, you're like, "Well, wait a minute, that doesn't make it any better <laughs> what you just did." And I don't mean to compare the song to that, but it's it's weird how angry and cruel he is in the first bunch of verses. And then to change it up at the end, it feels like he's trying to, this character at least, is trying to kind of like save face a little. You're like, okay, yeah. all right, all right. I'm, I'm just as bad as you are. I don't know how much I buy that. And that might work within the context of the song. I mean, I don't know if it's Dylan performing a sleight of hand, but it's, it's somebody who is realizing how way out on a limb they went for the last seven or eight minutes. Yeah, and I think it pulls it off best on the uh, ballad cut because the whole song is kind of, you know, he sounds guilty and it's kind of sad, and at the end he kind of includes himself. I always thought that the ending, when he includes himself, always pulled it off best on the outtake. Do you think that that just, I mean, it's, you know, I it's you never want to second-guess Bob, and you certainly don't want to second-guess Bud on the tracks, but would you, like, in your mind, would you have preferred the softer version on the album rather than this one, or is it, does it work for you because uh, no, it's I mean, a nice I like contrast? the loud one in the sequence of the album following those acoustic songs. Right. But the outtake is a, it's a good nugget to have. Yeah. It's a, good, it's a good dilemma to have between the two. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, you, you hear the, 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 the ballad version, which, was, of course, appeared on the Bootleg series, Volume 1 to 3, and yeah, I really like that version a lot. I mean, again, it's despite the lyrics being somewhat changed, the refrain is still the same, where he's still singing the idiot wind, but he's sweeter in the way he's singing it. And then the refrain, he's like, idiot. I'm not going to try and sing it because I can't sing it. But it just, he just doesn't yeah. have that anger to it, and it just seems more wistful, even though, again, he's still calling the woman an one, idiot. The outtake one does have a lot of additional lines and images, like the eaching and the hound dog baying. Right. Yeah, he does. He throws a lot of different imagery. In this one. I mean, in, in the the in the um, the album cut, he mentions uh, the Grand Coulee Dam, which is a Woody Guthrie song. So I mean, he's he's sort of incorporating all these things from his past. He sings uh, "Idiot Wind Blowing Like a Circle Around My Skull" from the Grand Coulee Dam to the Capitol, which is a great rhyme. Idiot yeah. wind, idiot wind blowing every time you move your teeth. You're an idiot, babe. It's a one you still know how to breathe. Um, and then, of course, yeah, you mentioned the live one, which is on the Hard Rain. Uh, record, yeah, which came out in 1976. It. It's hard to picture that as sort of a sing-along, but that's kind of what he does with it. Yeah, and have you seen the video of that? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good one. He's He was singing that in concert when his wife was there, present. Uh, yeah, it. what would that be like? Yeah, I don't, know how, I don't know how that dinner went afterwards, after the concert. <laughs> uh, is that when she gets up to go get a pop? Yeah, I know. I mean, that has got to be, you know, pretty, pretty brutal stuff. And so, yeah, the placement of this is, 
is really brilliant, and it's kind of good that it's the only song kind of like it on the album. I mean, not that the other songs don't have righteous anger, but this is the only one that's like a like this fever dream, you know, that's yeah. where he's just punching the air and screaming and really mad, and, and it, it works within that context, especially when you realize what he follows it up with, which is you're going to make me uh, lonesome when you go. Uh, which yeah, which is, is a quick little bouncy yeah, one. which is like this charming little ditty, you know, which is almost, again, sweetly yeah. romantic. So it's it's very bizarre. Uh, he's only played this song 55 times in concert, starting in 1976, and then he hasn't played it since 1992. So it has been, uh, what is it, 2000s? It's been, actually, he has not played this song longer than you've been alive, Grayson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't alive until 96. <laughs> God. So, have you listened to any of those '92s? Uh, I have heard it in concert, not live. I've not. I have never been in the room when he's done it, but I have heard some bootleg okay. versions. Yeah, they've got them on YouTube, and uh, not as good as the '76. No, it's. I, I think it's a song that it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about it as a concert song. I, I just yeah. think it's. It's just strange. It's so bitter and so angry. It almost feels like you know. I don't want to hear him do this in in concert in a lot of ways. So yeah, and it's probably. You know, it's a bit of a word salad. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's seven, absolutely. eight minutes. It's probably hard for him to remember all these. I mean, all these lines and stuff. So, yeah, it's a song that he'll he'll whip out occasionally. But yeah, obviously, it's been you know twenty twenty five years since he's. Yeah, since he's uh, I doubt it'll come back again. Yeah, and I don't see him really doing it. But it's it's it is it's it's brilliant. I mean, it's just a brilliant song. The sweep of it, you get totally caught up in it. Um, you you find yourself kind of like singing along, even though it is so sort of angry and nasty. And you know, again, I, I don't know. I've been there. I don't know if again. I don't know if I would ever reveal that out loud. You know, to, yeah. to people. But but I've, I've I've been pretty angry at times. I could I could see myself calling somebody this in in a heated moment. Yeah, this is quite a way to vent it out. And he just the album cut. He sings it so well. I love the way he sings. Uh, sat stone faced. It's uh, yeah, his singing is is beautiful on this, right? I mean, I said it, it's yeah. the it's not that it not fits the song. Yeah, I mean, he is right up close to the microphone, and I said the band is kind of sort of to catch up with him. I love the organ playing on it. Yeah. I love that kind wow. of. It's kind of feels like it's the the wind itself sort of blowing in the background. It is. It's so sweeping and just so huge. And it's the kind of thing where even though it's you know I think it's, I think it runs like eight minutes and fifty four seconds. As soon as it's done. You're kind of like, well, I want to hear that again. That's just there was just so much to it that uh, yeah. you, know, you kind of want to go through it all again, even though it is kind of exhausting in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it makes sense that they would follow it up with the you know the little quick one to end outside one. Yes. Yeah. Now, do you have a particular favorite song on Blood on the Tracks, or is it this one? I would say it was this one. This is the one I've listened to the most. I would say. Really. Well, Tangle Up in Blue, I guess. That's, that one's just tough to avoid. Yeah. Well, that's just, again, that's to me. I, we got to yeah, get to that's that the on hit. at some point. Yeah, we got to, I got to get to that on the show sometime. I love that song. It's so complete. But yeah, this is, a, this is just such an amazing song. It took guts for Bob to try and re-record it and run the risk of, you know, kind of decimating the album. And in some people's opinion, he did. A lot of people said they prefer the quieter versions. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and second guess yeah, uh, the, I wouldn't the, be able to choose which one. Yeah, I, to me, the Blood on the Tracks is a absolute masterpiece of an album, and it's perfect in every way, and I would never want to change it. And so uh, I do think, I said, that structurally, it, it works that the, the first three cuts are kind of quieter, and then this one is just like a punch. 
and then things quiet down again, and then you know we move on to side two, and we get another story song with Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts, which you know we've already covered here on the show. But I mean, it's to me this is a beautifully constructed album, and this this thing this thing fits perfectly. It's just it's a great big ball of energy, and uh, yeah. it, you know it's just uh, you know it, it, again I don't know how. It, this song has been covered occasionally here and there, and one of the strangest places it has appeared uh, is of uh, by all people Hootie and the Blowfish. Uh, <laughs> they have a song. Yeah. <laughs> they have a song called "I Only Want to Be with You," and there's a there's a verse in it uh, where it starts with "Put on a little Dylan sitting on a fence." I say that line is great. You ask me what he meant by said I shot a man named Gray, took his wife to Italy. She inherited a million bucks, and when she died, it came to me. I can't help it if I'm lucky. I only want to be with you. Ain't Bobby so cool? I only want to be with you. Yeah, I'm tangled up in blue. I only want to be with you. I remember hearing that song. I'm like, what? what's going Why is Hootie and the Blowfish singing a verse from Idiot Wind? Like, it's completely surreal to me. Exactly. Well, yeah, and uh, I don't know if you saw this. I saw online that Dylan actually sued about that. I heard about that. I never know whether those things are true or not. And yeah, exactly. I, I don't know how factual that is. Yeah, and I always, I've always heard that, you know, part of the thing that, that the reason sometimes those lawsuits go is to kind of warn off other people. It's not so much to sue the original person as it is to kind of, you kind of have to, you have to sort of, yeah, you don't want to people. get out of hand. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. You don't want to, you know, so you got to tell people, look, you can't just take whole verses and <laughs> plug it into your song. But I mean, in the context of this song, he is, he's literally saying this is from a Bob Dylan album. So it's not like yeah. he's trying to steal. Does the shout him out. <laughs> yeah. He's giving him a shout out. So there, but exactly. I remember that it's very, to hear those lines from any idiot wind being sung by Hootie. It's just, uh, <laughs> very, very strange. <laughs> it's odd. Yeah. It's almost fitting. Yeah, uh, we said it's it's a terrific song. It's a masterpiece. So this is we've covered now uh, four songs off of Blood on the Tracks on on Pod Dylan, and we gotta get to the rest of them because it's again it's my favorite album of his. It's, I think it's just absolutely perfect. And so uh, unless there's anything else, unless there's anything else, Grayson, I want to say thank you for coming on to talk about Idiot Wind, man. This is just it's an amazing tune, and you've been a really great friend to the show, and I appreciate it. No, thank you. I'm glad I could be on. All right. Are you planning on seeing Bob this year? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I'd love to, but I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. All right, yeah. I mean, how many times have you seen him now? Um, five. Wow, that's pretty good, man. That's basically every year. Since 2010. Good. That's amazing. Good for you. That's fantastic. That's cool. So, yeah. All right. Most of them in Chicago, and then the Indianapolis one. Very cool. That's great. I, I love that you get to see him so many times. I'll be going. This will be my 22nd time when I go see him in a couple. Actually, by the time oh. everybody hears this, I will have already seen him. Uh, but oh, it'll cool. be it'll be number 22, and we're gonna, we'll do a whole episode about that. But anyway, Grayson, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you again for being a supporter of the show and sending me links and stuff. That's always great, and I love hearing from new Dylan fans. It's just amazing, and I love hearing from Dylan fans that are as young as you are because that's. You know, that's how the music that's how the music's gonna survive. So thank you so much for coming on. Exactly. No, thank you. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, if you want to find back episodes of the show, go to our website, which is firewaterpodcast.com. And we're always talking about Bob Dylan over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until the next episode, uh, we will see you later. Bye.